Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Well, good morning or afternoon or evening or middle of the night, whenever you're watching our podcast. Uh, We're grateful to be here. This is What's the Word Downtown. I'm Matt. This is Pastor Eric Barton, who preached yesterday on 10 to 16, uh, Titus chapter 1. Right on. And uh, I missed it. So this should be really good for me (laughs) to be able to ask some questions and find out just what I missed. Right. Uh, Heresy, legalism. Uh, law lovers inside of what are to be gospel preaching yeah. churches. Isn't this a this is a problem that will be as long as sinful people as long await as the coming of the Lord. Yeah, as long as there's a gospel of grace, there's yeah. always gonna be a natural fallen human tendency to try to add to it to try to add our own energies to it. And so it's really disappointing. And it's also like also comforting to realize, okay, this is a problem that the church from its earliest formations 2000 years ago had to deal with from its formative foundational beginnings. And we still have to deal with it 2000 years later. Is it primarily philosophical? Is it primarily theological? Like the, the, in the context of this letter to Titus, what are we talking about here? It's, on the surface, very, very practical, Mm -hmm. very, very day-to-day operation of the church, community, families, unable to simply rest in the gospel of grace and beginning to throw in all sorts of legalistic proceedings and activities Mm -hmm. and behaviors Mm -hmm. and moralisms but all of that isn't really the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing on top of the thing, which, which is. underneath is sin, which says, I want to be God. Yeah. If I have to rely wholly and totally on the finished work of somebody else, then I have to admit that I really am powerless and I really, really am dependent on grace, which yeah. we are. Yeah. And so instead, just like every other system of organized religion on the planet. It's all about how you have to try to achieve and earn status before God. Christianity says we will not have that. No. We're just about to start this reflections on Luther's Heidelberg disputation from 1518 by Gerard Forde and is that a Dr. Seuss or is that actually <laughs> on being a theologian of the cross and what he says is that Luther was not primarily concerned about good works. Right. Uh, excuse me. He was not primarily concerned about bad works, that is, sin. He was primarily concerned with good works being leveraged by sincere people Uh to get closer to God through the use of religion, which is ultimately futile. Right. Because in Christ, we couldn't be closer to God. And what we need to do is, in an active way, passively accept that. Right. And then watch out for those good works that try to sneak in. And ruin the loaf, if you will. Well, yeah. Anytime, and so Luther would say this, and did say this a whole lot, anytime we find ourselves using the term should, mm-hmm. that should be a siren going off in our soul. Say, so, wait a minute, if I'm feeling like I, I should, then there is some 
human sin and fallenness that's saying, I have to do this so that, because we're transactional. And Luther raged against that because he himself was so transactional in his, all of his upbringing, in his work as a, as a, as a priest, as a monk, it was all transactional. Mm. I mean, he was so uh, fastidious in his confession. The other priests would run when he, they saw him coming to the confessional because they, they, like, they knew he was going to spend four or five hours trying to do all this stuff. So mm. when he finally got the gospel of grace, then he raged against the, all of that shooting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I still find that so very many Christians are bound and captive to the should. I Personal, transparent, vulnerable uh, Bring it. Illustration. We got some tissues. <laughs> I love to have read things, but I'm not a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. I don't. Mm-hmm. My mind doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And for decades, it's always sort of shamed and shooted on. Of you, you can't really be a Christian or a man or a leader or a husband or a father unless you're reading 300 pages a day or mm-hmm. three books a week. Mm-hmm. And I think it was this massively transformative thing where I thought, I finally came to the place of, no, I actually don't. I don't. And Jesus loves yeah. me, and I he couldn't be closer to me. Mm-hmm. And to sort of shuck off that shackle of shame and should that is a, a binding that actually produces in us all sorts of other deviant behaviors. And so Luther, rightly, because Paul rightly, raged against any sort of uh, behavior modification, moralism, legalism, all that kind of stuff. Or the burden that we actively accept in order to, because we feel like we should. Yeah. I should be reading more. I, I as well, I feel the same. Uh, and I used to just break out in sweats because of all of the books I wanted to read. I'd go into Barnes & Noble and just think, I'll never be able, <laughs> I won't have time, I can't. But you know what, one of the things that kind of changed my mind for that is that uh, I started to realize that when I would learn things, it was less me putting something from the outside in. And it was like when I when I would come across something or read something, it was like I unlocked something that I already knew. Mm. It was like the spirit is already revealing these things. And, I, and, I, and it made me feel a little more at ease about feeling like I needed to go after something to bring it in. Yeah. It was more like... The Spirit is guiding all things, moving all things within me, uh, and and releasing me even actively, moment by moment, from that sense of imperative. Mm-hmm. That, That's it. There yeah. you go. From the sense of imperative. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. And so, just you doing that mm-hmm. is a rearticulation of a truth that we already have of a of a certainty of a reality that sometimes yes reading or listening to a podcast. You should totally listen to our podcast. Do it. Or something like that is helpful because it does sometimes rearticulate or just voice it in a different manner that is helpful. But, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But a good thing when it becomes the best thing is an idol. Mm-hmm. And so what we see in Titus is Paul writes to this protege, Titus, as he tried to establish the churches on the island of Crete, is that right away they're dealing with a bunch of people who are using those imperatives to separate and elevate themselves over others. And the gospel will have none of that. Where I say, hey, I'm a reader. You're not a reader. Mm, Tisk tisk. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I 
uh, attend three Bible studies a week and you don't? Oh, tisk tisk. Those are good things. We should mm -hmm. have quiet times and we should study our Bible. And we should be in community and all those things. But when those good things become the imperatives that become the best things, the gospel shoots holes all over that. So when I ask, somebody says like, well, where do you work or what do you do? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I never grew up in a Bible church. I don't know really even how to explain what is a Bible church, you know? And, and yet, I also see that there is perhaps a propensity among some in Bible churches to think not of Trinity, but uh, like the quartet, like that there's <laughs> a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Bible. Mm. What do you say when, when, that, when even the Word can become elevated to uh, a dangerous place yeah. spiritually? It's a great question. There's not an easy answer. I didn't for that. prepare you for that. No, question. that's all right. This is a stream of consciousness here, folks. <laughs> Which is what we do. Yeah. Um, every stream or trajectory or tradition has their emphasis, mm -hmm. right? So there are traditions that will overemphasize perhaps the the movement, the work of the spirit, to the detriment of something else. Or there are those that will elevate scripture to the detriment of community and mm -hmm. love and compassion and mercy and hospitality and kindness and all those sorts of things. So obviously we want to hold all of those things in balance and we get it wrong frequently. Mm -hmm. Clearly it's not the Holy Quartet, mm -hmm. but the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all communicating most consistently to the people of God through the Word of God. That's not to elevate it and make The word it, made text. Right. So there's a great, wonderful word that we like to throw around every now and then. Bibliolatry mm. is the worship of the Bible, which is wrong. It's That's an idolatry, bibliolatry. And but it, it is a tool. And, yeah. and, and if I am having pain in my life that I perceive as caused by people who don't agree with me about the word, right. what a tool it is to cut me off from those people. To, or to, to protect me. Or to cut it, them. Or to cut them off from me. <laughs> right. Which, yeah, or to cut them down to size. Of course. I mean, it's a I'm looking for modern sword, right? ways that we need to hear this message of Titus, even in our own context. Well, the, the Bible is God's special revelation to us. And so that in and of itself is a massive, massive, marvelous truth. Yes. But it's not God. Mm-hmm. It is the word made text. And so they, in the time and space of Titus on the island of Crete, had people who were bringing in these Jewish myths. So in that case, in context, it was these more than More than the Jewish uh, rituals and rites. There was even an expanded... It was a Jewish Gnosticism mm. that says, hey, here are some myths and legends that you poor pagan Gentiles don't mm. know, but we are the varsity. We right. come from... Let the us educate you. Right. So how does that translate and contextualize to the 21st century in East Texas? Well, we do it all the time. Yeah. The, the people who have been in the church or were born in a Bible church or who were born in this particular tradition say, hey, that's really cute and all that you sing Amazing Grace, but let me tell you, you also have to X, Y, and Z, and you have to have your four highlighters, and you have to read mm -hmm. these particular mm -hmm. authors, and if you don't quote Tim Keller and John Piper chapter and mm -hmm. verse, then you're really not growing in your faith. Mm -hmm. That sort of stuff, the Apostle Paul would have taken a cat of nine tails to. Right. And so we want to be super careful of not burdening people with to-do lists 
of now go and do all these things. No, no, no. We really do want to say this is the truth of God as revealed in Scripture, which is good and helpful. And then we also say that, hey, people are spirit-indwelled saints of God. The Spirit's going to do a work in them. Now, God uses people to lead and love and guide and guard people. And so we want to shepherd them, but we're not God. We're not over them in that sense. And we trust that the Spirit is going to do work. And so one of the things that we see in Titus and all the things that Paul writes is, yes, he writes convincingly and he writes compellingly to them about the gospel. But the thing that I think Paul does that shames me, and this is not a should thing, it's just a wow, convicting is that Paul spent more time praying for these people than he did writing to them. Mm -hmm. When we encounter people in our churches who are shooting on other people, right? You should do this, you should do this. I always think now, because I love Paul so much, who was, yes, the doctrinal, you know, attack, 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 doctrine, but that dude spent so much time in prayer that I think he is authorized to do what he's doing and say what he's saying and write what he's writing because he prayed so much. And so as pastors, as fathers, as husbands, yeah. really the model of Paul is not the doctrinal sword. It's, I'm just going to pray for you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend more time praying for you than being frustrated by you. And that really is the thing that under utterly cuts the legs out of the separation, the elevation that legalism and humanism tends to do is prayer. And then the Spirit does His work. I forget the song, but there's an Avett Brothers song that, speak, that says, it's all vanity, it's all vanity. And the, the, the chorus is nothing, but it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's like that's the answer to everything that he's, he puts up before us and it says, and that too is vanity. And it yeah. sort of has a... Uh, is that a, is that a Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes kind of mm -hmm. sense to it? And it's almost as if any religious project that we set up for ourselves, we must first understand is, is us building on vanity rather than love. That's it. That's it. I mean, there, there, there seem, yeah. And you say it all the time, old kingdom, new kingdom. Mm -hmm talked about it a little bit yesterday, and I want to say it as often as I can, yeah. that the gospel is not just going to heaven when I die. That's really not that good news. Mm -hmm. It's nice. It's really good. But the gospel is intended to shoot through our lives in the here and now. And so I, the illustration that I, I like to use since we've been in the study on Titus is that Jesus pulls the border of the new kingdom back into the old kingdom. Mm. There's an overlap. It totally overlaps. He stretches it back. And 2,000 years ago, that veil was very, very thin because it was stretched so taut. And at the cross, sort of pins it down. Ooh, I like that. And the veil is thin because it's stretched so taut. And as we approach ever increasingly, it's been 2,000 years, and it may be 2,000 more. It may be 20 seconds. I have no idea. But as that, veil, right, as that veil's been pulled back, we get to live in that. There's an overlap, but we live in that, and that's the gospel. We live in that kingdom. And so when Paul says, the things that we touch, we make clean, that's Jesus' language. That's what Jesus did in the gospels. And so when Paul says that of us, and he's referencing Luke 11 and Mark 7, where Jesus does those things, we get to live that new kingdom, the coming age ethic and aesthetic and philosophy now. And so when we add back in human endeavor 
that's living according to the old age rather than that which has been pulled back and is pinned to that is reality. When we need our feet washed. Absolutely. That's when we need cleansing. Yeah. That's when we need community. Right. To remind us of the finished work of right. the cross. And so there's literally no aspect of our lives that the gospel doesn't impact. If we think of the gospel as, oh, yeah, that's right, I have to be gooder because I'm going to go to heaven one day and I don't want to disappoint Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's bad news. That's not good news at all. What Paul is saying is, I want for you, Titus, to set up people who set up the church who live gospel lives because that's what the world needs. And the gospel is continually taking cretins. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and inviting them onto the cross of Christ to be included in his death yeah. and resurrection that they would be reborn uh, brothers of Jesus and that they would no longer be Cretans. Correct. And if I was the enemy of the cross of Christ, which mm-hmm. in my default depravity nature, I am. It's easy to I'm, imagine. So go ahead. And yeah, right. <laughs> but if I was the enemy, mm-hmm. the enemy of our souls, I wouldn't come at Christians with a full frontal assault, mm-hmm. launching nuclear warheads into their laps. Mm-hmm. No, it just, it's just a glancing blow of distract them with good things, distract them with good things. Make them proud of themselves and their religious efforts and get them to looking around to make sure everybody else is doing as good as they are. Right. And before long, they're all in a hole and they're joyless. And you have fragmentation of what is the complete and perfect unity of the body of Christ. Right on. Well, praise God for grace in the midst of our struggle, struggle to let go of our Cretan self and, (laughs) and be reborn. Uh, so we look forward to this next week, uh, continued teaching beginning in two. Titus chapter two. Chapter oh, it just gets better. Good stuff. It. Yeah. Good. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. God bless. Bye now.